Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Ryan Dickey, who's a fourth-year resident at the University of Texas Southwestern in Dallas, Texas. He's originally from Southlake, Texas. He completed college at UNC Chapel Hill and medical school at Baylor College of Medicine. His academic interests include breast reconstruction, composite tissue preservation, and aesthetic surgery. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jenna. Thanks so much for having me on. So I'd love to get started by hearing a broad overview about your program at UT Southwestern. So we have a a six-year integrated program here at UT Southwestern. So we have five integrated spots starting this year, actually. So that will be a new thing for us going from four to five. We also have two independent slots that start at the fourth year level. So it's a big program. We have a lot of residents, a lot of faculty, and a lot of clinical rotations as well. Can you break down for me the plastics experience you get in the first three years? In our first year, residents will have three and a half months on plastic surgery services, with the remainder being on burns, trauma, pediatric surgery, vascular, etc. We also have some dedicated time on breast oncology service, as well as emergency medicine, oral surgery, anesthesia. The second year goes up to 10 months on plastic surgery services, including all of our major sites. We also do oculoplastics and a dedicated microsurgery rotation in the rat lab during that time. Once you're a third year, it's totally on plastic surgery services. The second and third years also have a new night float pilot program that we're starting. So the second year will have two months of night float and the third year, one month of night float. And then after that, no more primary calls. So at the fourth year level, which is where I'm at this year, it's all on our core rotations. And we also have some dedicated cosmetic surgery time. Moving on to fifth year, we have chief time as hand chief, as well as the VA and children's. We start some elective time and community time for aesthetic surgery. And then we also have a relationship with the Wall Center in Shreveport, Louisiana, where we get to do some really cutting edge aesthetic surgery there. And then finally, in sixth year, your chief of the recon service, Baylor, we have a micro float and as well as additional community and elective service. So a lot more elective time in the senior years, a little bit more call in their early years, but it's you know, overall sort of a front-loaded call schedule, your second and then third call uh, between, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth years. And what's the experience like when you're on some of those non-plastics rotations in the early years? I really enjoyed my general surgery time. I think some highlights for me include the Parkland Burn Service. So Parkland Burns is a legendary service. We all are familiar with the Parkland Burn formula. We have a lot of autonomy during the day as well as the overnight float where we get to take care of some emergencies with some backup in-house, but it's a really fun time, a lot of operating. During trauma surgery, a lot of autonomy as a first year and a second year on service, running traumas, as well as getting to go to the OR for indicated injuries. When I was on transplant surgery, I got to do organ harvest, flew in the airplane to go pick up some grafts. When I was on anesthesia, you know, you, do, you get to intubate, uh, start IVs, that sort of thing. And then I think a highlight, as I mentioned, is the microsurgery rat lab, where we get to do micro pretty much all day, every day during that time with some private faculty lessons during those couple of weeks. 
You've already highlighted a few of the different sites, like Parkland, for example, but just so we have them all in one place, can you go over like the main sites that you rotate at? So our main hospitals include the Parkland Hospital, which is our community level one trauma center. We have also the university service known as uh, Clements University Hospital, which is our private faculty hospital with uh, private patients. We rotate at Children's Medical Center, which is our main pediatric experience. We also rotate at the Dallas VA Medical Center for our uh, VA experience. And then we have an affiliation with uh, Baylor University Medical Center downtown for head and neck reconstruction and cosmetic surgery. Additional affiliations include Texas Scottish Rite, where we do pediatric hand surgery. And then we have a variety of relationships with Dallas and Fort Worth private practices, and then as well as the Wall Center in Shreveport. Tell me a bit about the relationship between the independent and integrated residents. So this year, I was privileged to meet our two new independent residents. We go through really the, the fourth year time together, which is sort of a step up from third year. So we do conference every week. We are on rotations with additional fourth year residents on certain rotations. So I've gotten to work with them hand in hand. They're fantastic. They add a new perspective to the program, particularly with regard to trauma, ICU patients, as well as, you know, abdominal wall reconstruction. We all hang out. It's uh, sort of like you get two new friends or brothers in this case during the fourth year, and they've been really fantastic. And they've had a great attitude, you know, with a steep learning curve that happens, but we um, help each other out and it's a good time. And do you work with any fellows? We do. We have two hand fellows. We have a microsurgery fellow as well as a craniofacial fellow. They are excellent to have around in terms of their teaching and supervising in certain cases, especially on call. As I mentioned, we have so many different hospital sites and our volume is quite high that there's plenty to go around in terms of caseload and autonomy. The residents do tend to have priority in terms of case selection and getting our numbers first. And the fellows understand that coming in. And, you know, I think overall we have a pretty good working relationship. So you have mentioned call a little bit and mentioned that it's front-loaded as like a two and a three. Can you go into more about how it's like split across different hospitals and or different services like face, hand, et cetera? Our hand call alternates with orthopedic surgery every other day and every other weekend. Face call is alternated between ENT and OMFS, as I think it is in most programs. So you have a fair amount of hand call and then, you know, face call uh, about a third of the month. The call is a lot of fun. It's a lot of variety, a lot of volume, and a lot of autonomy. We cover the three main hospitals downtown when you're on call. So that's Children's, Parkland, and CUH. So it can get a little bit busy if you've got simultaneous consults, but fortunately you do have backup at the fourth year level being second call and then a chief for the third backup as well as fellows. I think it's great. There's a lot of growth as a junior resident. By the time you finish taking primary call, you're comfortable really with any upper extremity and craniofacial trauma, pretty much any operative bounce back that happens. You feel fairly invincible, or at least I felt like I did by the time I finished. There's always more to learn. But the call, I think, is a pretty special part of our program just in terms of how busy and complex it can get. There's you know plenty of support. Like I said, the fourth year is right there, either a phone call away or you know can be in the hospital in like 10 minutes or so. We are switching to a night float system this year, so we'll see how that goes. We're piloting it, and hopefully it affords a little bit better sleep schedule, a little bit more regular hours for our residents. So um, we're looking forward to trying that out. And what is the mid-level support like? 
Mid-level support is great. All of our core hospitals have mid-levels, Parkland, Clements, and Children's. So we have a lot of support from them in terms of taking call, answering pages during the day. At night, you know, the junior residents and the, like, the fourth-year resident on some services will alternate taking, like, mommy calls and floor pages, that sort of thing. We have a great relationship with mid-levels. They're fantastic. And they really help us get to the OR and help our busy clinic schedules. And you did mention that there is some elective opportunity in the senior years. So can you describe a little bit more, you know, how many months of those you get? And also are those electives that you can like leave your institution for or more like ones you pick at one of your partner sites? Our elective time is really cool. It's very broad in terms of what we can do. We've had residents go to Italy, to Korea, to Africa, you know, other countries, other institutions in the U.S. So you get a full month in the fifth year to go really anywhere you'd like that's in line with your academic interests. The department will support. As long as you, you know, set it up with enough time, you can essentially go anywhere in the world you'd like to go. During the fifth and sixth year, we do have community rotations in addition. So that's sort of like anywhere in the DFW Metroplex area. That can actually be with cosmetic surgeons or community reconstructive surgeons, hand surgeons as well. So month of elective in the fifth year, you get another month in the sixth year. And then with the addition of community time, it varies kind of year to year, depending on feedback, but you're looking at like one to two months of community time and then the month of elective in each year. Are there any opportunities for like shorter term mission trips as well? Like do any attendings kind of go on any annual trips? So we do have a special award that's given to one resident a year known as the Bridget Harrison Award. So that award allows the resident to take a week off for an international mission trip. It's a two to three-year-old award, so we didn't get to do it this past year, but that funding is ready and waiting to allow a resident to go do international trips. So that's a new yearly thing that we've been doing. You've talked a bit about cosmetic experience already. So you have those like community months in your senior years. Do you get exposure to cosmetic surgery earlier? And kind of how is that integrated into your training over the years? Yeah, we really have fantastic cosmetic surgery experience. The early exposure is very good. In in our early years, we have the semi-annual injection and laser clinic where, you know, intern second years get to do injections and lasers and other non-surgical techniques on patients. There is early operative exposure to really all aspects of aesthetic surgery on the CUH experience. That starts really probably in the third year and fourth year where those cases are given to that level of resident. And then by the time you're a fifth year, we have our longitudinal cosmetic surgery clinic that allows you to have clinic basically every week and to book your own cases throughout those two years, really with the exception of just our really busy rotations, like when you're on hand and CUH, if it's pretty busy, you're not able to operate a new clinic during those times. But for the most part, it's really a two-year clinic. So I think we have a really, really good cosmetic surgery experience. And I think the highlight is really that two-year clinic in the fifth and sixth year. And what's your experience like with gender affirmation surgery? So we do top surgery and facial feminization at UT Southwestern. We have not done bottom surgery for transgender patients yet. We have done 
some neophallus reconstruction, like for oncologic and traumatic reasons at our trauma center. So we, we do get pretty good experience with top surgery, both female to male and male to female, as well as facial feminization, like I said, and are looking to expand that. And how would you say your program manages resident operative autonomy? So UT Southwestern does a really great job of graded autonomy. The reality is, you know, we are really expected to operate very early on. You're handed the knife pretty much from day one, even on general surgery. You know, I was on burns in July. I did every skin graft, every operation, Z-plasties, like as an intern. You know, the chief resident would kind of walk me through stuff. Two, when you're on plastic surgery at Parkland, for instance, as a, you know, first, second, third year, you'll be in like the breakout OR room doing, you know, smaller to moderate size cases while the fourth and sixth year are doing, you know, free flaps, breast recon, lower extremity recon and creative facial stuff. And then the, you know, the junior resident will be able to join kind of those bigger cases once they're done with, with their stuff. So it's good exposure early on. I would say another way to think about it is when we're on the private hospital at CUH, if you look at kind of what we get to do, like in our deep flap surgeries, the fourth year resident will be performing the recipient site dissection at the rib, really third and fourth year. That's pretty much what you do. You are doing the artery, you're doing the vein with faculty, pretty much expected to be able to do that only by the time fourth year ends. You know, I've probably done what, about two dozen free flaps on my own during this year alone. The fifth and sixth year on those cases are doing the deep flap dissection on, on the abdomen with faculty. So they're elevating the flap pretty much by themselves. And then, you know, the second and third year will, you know, help close, help with inset, kind of get things going, that sort of thing. So everyone's got a, got a hand in the, in the case. And then the further you go up the chain, the more you get to do. And really the capstone is when you're the chief at Parkland, you know, you're doing the entire case and delegating whatever you'd like to the younger residents, but essentially doing the whole thing. Can you tell me a bit about the research experience, both in terms of expectations and opportunities? We have a lot of clinical research opportunities here. There is not a set expectation for publication, but a lot of residents are involved in research just because they, they like to do it. I like doing research. I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different faculty at Parkland, at Clemens, and even at Children's Hospital. We get a paid meeting a year at the fourth through sixth year level. Any meeting in the country, we get time off, we get to go, and that's covered by the department. You can also have an additional meeting covered if you are presenting or doing a podium presentation. So it's quite generous in terms of the research and conference support. A lot of our faculty are very well known nationally for their research, so it's pretty easy to get involved in whatever the residents' interests are. How is it the like research support in terms of things like working with the IRB or statistics or that kind of like ancillary research support? Our department has a biostatistician as well as research admin that help maintain the uh, IRB approval accreditation uh, as well as the database of a lot of our faculty. So we have help on that end. So fortunately, you know, there's not a whole lot of like IRB work or data collection that the residents necessarily have to do other than, you know, a few, few things every here and there. Like the projects I'm doing, I'll ask the biostatistician to help with doing the stats. I'll be able to do the writing and do the discussion with faculty and the project planning. So we do have pretty good support and you know, just making sure things don't lapse when you're working and taking calls. So it's helpful to have them. And are there research fellows? Yeah, we actually have a couple of research fellows, medical students. We've got really a couple that get to work with us. 
it's changed a little bit with COVID, but they are fantastic. They are very hardworking. They help prepare the data and making sure that projects stay on track as residents go to and fro from rotations. So I've really enjoyed working with medical students. I've published with you know almost all of them during their time here, and you know I think they have a pretty good experience. And are there any particularly awesome perks you'd like to share? We get a great food stipend at Parkland Hospital as well as Clements University Hospital. So there's never a shortage of getting food from the cafeteria at those places. Pretty cool perks include our journal clubs. So we have cosmetic journal clubs every month, really, at some nice restaurants. So we get to talk about papers, talk about aesthetic surgery with our community faculty, usually have a good meal. Look forward to starting that back up this year. We've got good relationships with reps and other you know industry companies that allow for educational courses and dinners, that sort of thing. The residents have a paid subscription to Med One, which is the theme publisher. So we have a lot of textbooks that we get through that. UT Southwestern has pretty much every other textbook that's not listed there. I mentioned that we have conferences that are paid for for research and just like the academic conferences we can visit every year. We have a pretty robust visiting lecture series. We have very good relationships nationally, so we have a, a whole host of aesthetic, reconstructive, craniofacial microsurgeons that come and talk to us and spend, spend the day with us, which is great. We also have a very busy anatomy lab here, so we get to do head and extremity dissections throughout the year, and we really enjoy that time to do practice free flaps and practice um, dissections. Another cool perk is uh, Dr. Kinkle is actually the face surgeon for the Dallas Stars, so we get to check out some Dallas Stars games with him while he's covering their facial trauma, which is not as infrequent as I thought it would be. And we really, really enjoy those times. So that's kind of a fun thing we get to do. Loops are not funded. That was purchase I had to make intern year. The thing to consider, though, is Parkland actually did just raise our salary for all residents to the 75th percentile nationally. So I think if you look at our salary compared to the you know, cost of living, we actually do pretty well. So it wasn't too big of a hit to, to pay for that loop plan for a couple months starting out. And what area of plastic surgery would you say residents come out with the strongest experience in? That's a tough one to answer because I think we have a very strong foundation in really all aspects. If I had to pick, I would say breast microsurgery and microsurgery in general are very strong as well as cosmetic surgery. But we also have a very busy hand experience as well, but I'd probably say aesthetic and microsurgery experience are, are fairly unmatched. And how would you improve your program? That's also a tough one for me to think about. I would say I'd like to have a little bit wider exposure to lymphedema surgery. It would be cool to see like VCA and transplant surgery done at the this institution. I would like to see more opportunities for basic science research, you know, for residents to get involved with. It's always tough, though, because our clinical responsibilities are so high, but just out of personal interest, I think that would be interesting. Have residents ever been able to, like, take a full year for research? So I'm not aware of a resident that has done that. I would say I'm sure the department would be, you know, open to discussing that on a case-by-case basis. I just haven't seen somebody take a year to do research. Now I'd love to hear about your program leadership, so your chief and your PD. Dr. Jeff Kinkle is our chairman. He is an amazing leader. He's nationally known in aesthetic surgery and patient safety. For me, Dr. Kinkle is really the model academic surgeon and family man. He sets very high standards for the residents and supports us every step of the way. His office is always open. 
Uh, he's somebody I personally look up to and am very privileged to call a mentor. And he's somebody that just has such a, a great demeanor and has always led the department with care. And you can just tell how much he loves this program and what he's done to really elevate our experience and provide for really more balance at the program. Dr. Zhang is our program director. He is our rock on Parkland Hospital. And as our program director, he's a very talented hand and microsurgeon. He supports us clinically in the OR at Parkland by helping us push the envelope with difficult cases while in service with him. And then as PD, we have regular meetings to discuss rotations, career planning, any concerns that come up. His office is also always open and we are able to really go through the year with any, you know, any speed bumps he's able to help with and is also able to help us, you know, celebrate and have, have a good time at the end of the year and after the in-service and that sort of thing. Speaking of speed bumps, could you tell me about a time when you or another resident brought up an issue to the program leadership and how they responded? You know, there have really only been a few times where we had issues brought up to the leadership. There were a few rotations, you know, over the past several years that weren't quite as fruitful operatively as we would have liked that we brought to like Dr. Zeng and Kankel and they were able to, you know, either alter the timing of those rotations or change, you know, rotations altogether. I mentioned that we also have recently changed our call schedule to a night float system. So that's an attempt to better support resident wellness and sleep schedules. They were very open to concerns from junior residents on, on that front. So that was really cool to see. Any other issues you know, that come up, we have their, their support to get through anything. If there's a problem that a resident is having on service with either you know, administration at hospitals or other services, they are 100% in our, in our corner, no questions asked. So I think that's really cool to see how, how they've helped us with those sorts of things. And what kind of a role do residents play in department decision-making for things like choosing new residents or new faculty? We have actually a resident council that meets a couple times a year that includes a representative from each class. So we will meet and discuss rotating residents. We'll discuss, you know, any changes that are upcoming, and then we'll bring our concerns, you know, to faculty during those meetings. So we are involved really throughout the year in terms of like the curriculum. And then during the interview season, Dr. Zhang will talk with essentially all the residents individually or like in small groups to discuss rotating students and, you know, any pluses or minuses that residents may have about, you know, medical students. So we're fairly involved with that whole process, which is uh, always a lot of fun. And also look forward to getting that back this year to have more uh, rotating students because we miss our med students and the academic culture that they bring. And how about during the actual interviews? So during the interviews, the chief residents interview with our faculty in the interview room. So they are very involved. They have a vote for the ranking list as well. The remainder of the residents spend time with the students, you know, kind of like the waiting room area. And we're involved in terms of giving our input, like for our away rotators, certainly. But yeah, our chief residents are, are certainly very involved in the process and the rest of the residents are you know, supportive and our voices are heard, at least on the faculty level. And how would you say your program promotes diversity and inclusion and or helps you develop into a culturally competent resident? So UT Southwestern as an institution is a very strong culture of diversity and inclusion really in its policies, events, and we have educational events throughout the year. As an institution, we have 
you know, I think like 66% of all employees at UT Southwestern are female. Uh, majority are non-white ethnically. Um, if you look at our residents, 40% of our residents are female, which is a bit higher than the like high 20s to 30% of female residents nationally. We have a diverse set of ethnicities among our residents as well, in backgrounds as well as places they're from. So I think we do a great job of promoting diversity and inclusion at the, on the university and department level. We're always looking to increase our diversity when it comes to hiring new faculty as well as our new residents coming in. And speaking of the residents, how would you describe the like culture and camaraderie amongst the residents? Our residents are very close with each other. We spend a lot of time together, of course, in the operating room and on call, but we also spend a lot of time outside of the OR, whether it's going to weddings, engagement parties, baby showers, birthday parties, really you name it. Even recently, we had a whole flood of events that we've been doing to kind of catch up on last time throughout the year. So all the residents from all classes will get together. We do spend a lot of time together outside of work, whether it's going to the gym, you know, hanging out, cooking. I think there's a wine club or two that uh, some of the residents are involved in. The relationship is pretty tight. We're a very you know, friendly group, a pretty social group of residents. I would say definitely a work hard, play hard during the week for sure. I would say as much as a cliche as it is, I do feel like they're basically my family outside of my wife and family who are also in Dallas-Fort Worth. So these are the friends that I'm you know, taking over to have dinner at my place or hang out with my parents and, and that sort of thing. So I think we have a really strong you know, friendship within the residency. And does your program have any experience with IMGs or otherwise like non-traditional residents? Yeah, so we have definitely matched non-traditional medical students that are a little bit older, have had different careers. We also have faculty that have had non-traditional paths to get where they are. We have matched international students as well, so we're certainly open to that. Any resident from wherever that's wants to come, you know, work hard and has a very strong desire for excellence is certainly welcome here. And now a bit about how residents live. So do most tend to own or rent? The majority rent. I would say about a quarter own homes. It's getting to be a pretty hot home market here in the DFW area, but a lot of opportunity for some nice apartments in Dallas. So it's not, not too bad. I've rented for now going on five years and uh, my wife and I have really enjoyed it. For anyone that's like not familiar with Dallas, kind of where do residents tend to live in relation to where the main sites are? The vast majority of residents live within about a 10 to 15 minute drive from the hospital. Specific areas that are popular include like the uptown West Village area, which has a lot of like restaurants and, you know, areas you can walk. Bishop Arts is a new area that residents are both renting and buying homes in. Some residents do live around the medical center itself in Oaklawn. And then those with families will live like a little bit further north where homes are a bit more affordable. But I would say most of us can get to the hospital in like 11 minutes, depending on the time of day. And what's the breakdown of residents being single, married, and having kids? We have a good mix of single and married residents. I would say we have probably just under 20, 25% that have kids, and they're able to do it really with a lot of support from, you know, from the residency. We have actually a very generous maternity and paternity leave, so residents are able to take you know, good time off. It's a couple months, actually, that they, they can take off for 
both maternity and paternity leave, which is really great. We don't really have a lot of issues with like requiring coverage for the sites just because we have so many residents in so many different sites, like uh, in elective time, there's always usually somebody that can cover, you know, get, can get like pulled off a day or two from like community or elective, that sort of thing. So I think that's a big advantage uh, for our program. Is it necessary to have a car? It is pretty much necessary. Yeah. There is public transit in Dallas. It's not the greatest, but um, you, you could do it. I have heard of residents in other departments who bike to work, but yeah, I think a car would be a major advantage. Besides some of the things you've already mentioned in terms of affordability, getting around, I know your family is nearby. What else do you like about living in Dallas? Just like you said, it's, it's very affordable in terms of, you know, rent, food, transportation. It's a very comfortable place to live. We have two international airports at Love Field and DFW that have direct flights all over, whether you want to go to Hawaii, Mexico, Europe, whatever. So that's pretty cool. We have a great food scene. So, you know, historically, we were known for Tex-Mex, barbecue, steakhouses. But these days, we have a lot of trendy, cool restaurants like French Vietnamese, sushi, you know, you name it. In terms of like our music and art and that sort of thing, downtown in the arts district, we have the Winspear Opera House, the Meyerson Symphony Center that was actually designed by IM Pei. It's a beautiful building. We have a couple of theaters downtown, including like the Wiley Theater and the AT&T Performing Arts Center. Personal favorites include like the Dallas Arboretum and the Nasher Sculpture Center for some time outdoors. We're also home to a couple sports teams. So I mentioned the Stars. We also have the Cowboys. We have the Rangers. We have Katy Trail, which is a fun sort of walking, running trail, biking that's uh, right in downtown, really pretty. White Rock Lake is like 15 minutes away. So that's a, another like running, biking and sailing uh, lake. And then there are a couple lakes nearby that like faculty will have boats at like at Lake Grapevine. And then we also have Cedar Creek Lake nearby for uh, some fun getaways. So yeah, there's actually some outdoor activity here. That's uh, that can be pretty fun. How about the weather? Yeah, so the weather is pretty hot in the summer. But so I've lived in Houston for medical school. It's not quite as humid as further south in Texas or in Florida. So the summers are looking at 90s, 100s in, in uh, you know July, August. The fall and winters, by contrast, is quite mild. So you can go through a lot of the winter not even wearing a jacket. So for everybody that is a little too cold up north and they're looking to warm things up, it's great. Not as humid of a heat, but the summer can be tough. So we just kind of flip it where we're a little bit more inside during the summer and uh, not as bad in the winter. So that's pretty much everything I wanted to talk about today. Any final thoughts either on your program or on the overall process of choosing a residency? You know, UT Southwestern has been just a phenomenal program for me so far. I am so thankful for the training I've had. I really couldn't imagine a better fit professionally as well as, you know, finding a group of residents that I'm this close with. In terms of the volume, it's been, you know, fantastic. I've hit really all of my minimum case requirement numbers, you know, by this year. So the rest of the next few years are really gravy in terms of just refinement and additional reps and then focusing my future interests. So this program gives the residents so much opportunity for operating, for leading teams and for working with really internationally known faculty that are very well connected. So for that, I'm extremely thankful. In terms of advice I would give to a prospective applicant, 
think the biggest thing is to be very honest with yourself in terms of what your needs and wants are. If you have a particular area of the country you'd like to be in, or if you have a particular program that you really have your heart set on, I would really go for it. And I wouldn't let other people try to influence that within reason, obviously, you know, talk to everybody you can in terms of getting, you know, some advice and some knowledge, but ultimately you need to follow what you feel is going to be the best for you and your career and what really you want out of residency and out of life. The away rotation is very important for UT Southwestern. So students should rotate here if they can and work really hard during that month. It's a great way to impress the residents and the faculty. A lot of our residents did rotate here, but it's certainly not a requirement and we've definitely matched residents who have not rotated here. And how could interested applicants find out some more about your program? The website is a little bit long, but if you just Google UT Southwestern Plastic Surgery Residency, you should be the first result. There's a whole plethora of information as well as a cool video that we've got on that website. We've got some Instagram handles as well. So our Instagram handle is UTSW Plastic Surgery. That's all one word. So that showcases our residents and some of our experience. We have an additional aesthetic fellowship Instagram handle at UTSW underscore aesthetic fellowship that you can also get another angle of life as a fellow here. All the residents, we have Instagrams. You can see all of us hanging out documented officially. So you can kind of see uh, that, you know, we're all close friends and take a lot of photos on the weekends. Well, thank you, Ryan, so much for speaking with me today. Thank you so much, Jenna. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.